Now, how many of you are going to a family reunion this summer or have already gone? Yeah, a few of them are, are coming back. My wife's family, they have a family reunion every, every year except for last year. Can you get to have one then? My family is uh, a little bit uh, more hit or miss, but I do look forward to getting together with my family uh, next Sunday. Are you looking forward to, uh, to seeing your family? Uh, or are family reunions one of those things that uh, you dread? I know there are some people that are hoping the pandemic doesn't end so they don't feel obligated to have to get together with their dysfunctional families. <laughs> and even in families that seem normal, a family reunion can bring up old hurts from the past. My great-grandfather, O.G. Rowley, and his brother Tim lived a mile or two apart, and they got along well, but, but their wives didn't. Truth be told, my great-grandmother looked down on her sister-in-law. Sister-in-law lived on the farm. My great-grandmother lived in town. She kept a messy house. My great-grandmother's house was spotless. She didn't raise her kids right. My great-grandmother kept her nine in line. My great-grandmother didn't want to associate with her sister-in-law, and so the two families drifted apart. And finally, though, 50 or 60 years later, the grandchildren said, enough is enough, let's get together. And so they raised a family reunion back on their ancestral homeland on Rowley's Bay in Door County. And as they swapped stories and... and got caught up. One of the grandchildren from the other side said, do you remember that clubhouse that we built down in the woods? Another one said, oh yeah, that was, that was so great. Just too bad some jerks burned it down. And sheepishly, my father had to admit, that was us? I don't know if they ever had another reunion. Families are messy, and feelings can get hurt, and those hurts can last for generations. Maybe you come from a messed up family too. But no matter how messed up yours might be, I think Joseph's family can match it. Do you remember the biblical family, the patriarch Abraham, Isaac, Jacob? Jacob was the one who stole his brother's birthright. Jacob was also the one who got tricked into marrying two sisters, Leah and Rachel. And they were very jealous, as sisters can be, and they seemed to, to compete over having children. Between them, they had six sons and a daughter, and, and then they used their maids as surrogates to, to have four other sons. Messy, right? But not as messed up as what those kids did to each other. Now, their father, Jacob, played favorites, and, and Joseph was his favorite, and he gave Joseph a beautiful coat, sometimes called the coat of many colors, or, or as the musical goes, uh, his amazing technicolor dream coat. And his brothers resented him. And, and he kind of rubbed it in. He told them that he dreamed that one day all of his brothers would bow down before him. Little brothers can be so annoying. <laughs> so what did his brothers do about it? They plotted his murder. 
Now that seemed a little extreme for Reuben, the oldest uh, son. So he said, let's not do anything so harsh. Let's just sell him into slavery. Because that's so much better. And so that's what they did. They sold him into slavery. He's hauled off to Egypt. And they take Joseph's coat and they rip it up and they pour goat's blood on it and they tell dad, oh, he must have been eaten by a wild animal. Talk about messed up. See what I mean by a dysfunctional family? And years later, Joseph has gotten out of slavery and through God's help, he has become a high-ranking official in the Egyptian government. Through a God-given dream to the pharaoh, Joseph has learned that a famine is coming. And so Joseph arranges for grain to be stockpiled in Egypt. And when the famine hits, the neighboring countries are left starving, including his brothers, who treated him so cruelly. And I'm going to start reading the story in Genesis chapter 42. When Jacob found out there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why are you just sitting here staring at one another? I've heard there's grain in Egypt. Now go down and buy some so we won't starve to death. Boy, you ever heard fathers talk that way to their, to their children? What are you doing just sitting around here staring at each other? Go get something done. Well, ten of Joseph's brothers went to Egypt to buy grain, but Jacob did not send Joseph's younger brother Benjamin with him He's afraid that something might happen to him too. So Jacob's sons joined others from Canaan where they were going to Egypt because of the terrible famine. Since Joseph was governor of Egypt and in charge of selling grain, his brothers came to him and bowed down with their faces to the ground. <clears throat> Remind you of anything? Exactly what Joseph said would happen. They did not recognize Joseph, but right away he knew who they were though he pretended not to know. Instead, he spoke harshly and asked, Where do you come from? From the land of Canaan, they answered, We've come here to buy grain. Joseph remembered what he had dreamed about them, and he said, You're spies. You've come here to find out where our country is weak. No, sir, they replied, We're your servants. We have only come to buy grain. We're honest men, and we come from the same family. We're not spies. That isn't so, Joseph insisted. You come here to find out where the country is weak. But they explained, Sir, we come from a family of 12 brothers. The youngest is still with our father in Canaan, and one of our brothers is dead. Joseph replied, It's just like I said, you're spies. And I'm going to find out who you really are. I swear by the life of the king that you won't leave this place until your youngest brother comes here. Choose one of you to go after your brother while the rest of you stay here in jail. That will show whether you're telling the truth. But if you're lying, I swear by the life of the king that you are spies. Joseph kept them all under guard for three days before saying to them, Since I respect God, I'll give you a chance to save your lives. If you're honest men, one of you must stay here in jail and the rest can take the grain back to your starving families but you must bring your youngest brother to me. Then I'll know that you're telling the truth and you won't be put to death. Joseph's brothers agreed. Joseph's first reaction to seeing his hurtful brothers for the first time in years is to torment them 
and to get a little revenge. Pretends not to know him. Says, you're despised. Throws him in jail. And then holds one of them hostage, demanding that they bring his younger brother back. His younger brother was the only one who wasn't involved in, in selling him into slavery, by the way. And he was also the only one that had the same mother as Joseph. So what would you do if you were Joseph? If you have it within your power to exact any revenge you want on your family, what would you do? Would you leave them in prison? Would you send them them home to starve to death? Would you have the guards beat them? Well, Joseph does toy with them several times. But, But he realizes that revenge won't really make things better. Won't really take the hurt away. You see, that's revenge's big lie. Vengeance tells you that if you can just make your family hurt as much as they hurt you, that the hurt will go away. But it doesn't. It doesn't really make things better. In fact, it makes things worse. It it makes you turn your back on God. It, It puts you down to their level, and it certainly leaves things more broken than before. That's why God's Word says in Romans, in chapter 12, it says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Or as 1 Peter 3 puts it, do not repay evil evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because this is what you're called, because this... Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Whether it be your family or a friend or a complete stranger who's hurt you, remember, revenge's big lie is that things will get better if you hurt them back. But the Bible tells us to leave vengeance to God and instead to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us, as Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, even if those people who have hurt us are our own family. Now, I feel like I I always have to give a, a little disclaimer here. I am not saying let your family continue to beat you up. Joseph here is in a position of power. He's no longer that little boy who was sold into slavery. He is second only to the Pharaoh in the kingdom of Egypt. So, he's he's no longer being abused by his brothers. But he realizes that the power that he has to get revenge will not actually give him what he wants. Revenge is a liar. So after having tormented his brothers in in several ways, he changes course and he follows God's way. When all of his brothers are back, 
including his little brother Benjamin, he reveals who he is. This is in uh, chapter 45. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and the Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. I mean, you can only imagine. <laughs> then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they'd done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been a famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. A little while later it says, Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept, and Benjamin embraced him weeping, and he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. And afterwards his brothers talked with him. And so they went up out of Egypt and came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan, they told him, Joseph is still alive. In fact, he is ruler of all Egypt. Jacob was stunned, to say the least. He, he did not believe them. But when they told him everything Joseph had said, and when he saw the carts Joseph had sent to carry him back, the spirit of his father Jacob revived, and Israel, that is another name for Jacob, said, I am convinced my son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Joseph gets the family reunion that deep down he really wants. And he tells them not to beat themselves up for selling him into slavery because God used it to keep all of them alive and to save thousands and thousands of lives from the famine. See, revenge tells a big lie. And the big lie is that hurting people back will make everything better, but God makes a bigger promise. And that is that God will work for good even in terrible circumstances. God will work for good. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things, not just the good, but even in the terrible, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Note, this doesn't say that only good things happen to those who are called by God. No, it says that, that no matter what happens, no matter how terrible, God will work to bring good out of it for you and for many. You know, having... Your brother sell you into slavery. That was nothing but awful. There was no good in that act. But God brought good out of it and saved Joseph's life and the life of all his brothers and thousands more. 
See, revenge has a, has a big lie that hurting people back is going to make it better. But God has an even bigger promise that God will take even those hurts and turn them towards good. Now, I, I don't have any illustrations out of my own family. My own family is really uh, rather boring. Um, don't have any big skeletons in the closet to talk about uh, um, but maybe you do. Maybe your family has hurt you, and you can talk about that pain. Or maybe you can talk about, about other things in life where, where you have been hurt, and yet God has brought some good out of it for you and, and maybe for many other people. You know, I've said before, and most of you know that I'm, I'm diabetic. It's, it's not really a good thing. It's a difficult thing to deal with. Have to be managed every day, and and I became diabetic when I was a, a student at Duke. In fact, at, at the very time that that I became diabetic, I was uh, learning. I was in a class on how to be a hospital chaplain, and I was assigned to the women's oncology unit. There I was, an early twenties male. Never been to the hospital, didn't know what an inside of a hospital looks like, and I am supposed to minister to women facing life or death decisions about their body. I was worthless. And then I got sick. And uh, as a stereotypical guy, of course, I didn't go to the doctor until I was dragged into emergency. Spent eight days in that very same hospital discovered that I would be diabetic for the rest of my life. And that's not a good thing. It's, it's not as bad as slavery, but, but still it's, it's not a good thing. And yet, God took that experience and enabled me to minister. I was a different person when I got out of the hospital and went back into the ward to talk with people who were facing life and death decisions about their health. And I've been a better father, I've been a better pastor, I've been a better friend because I went through that experience and because I myself have been faced with, with these health issues. See, that's, what, that's God's big promise, that, that no matter how bad the situation, and there are bad things. What your family did to you is bad. What the brothers did to Joseph is bad. And yet God can work good out of it. That's the big promise that God makes. Joseph's brothers did an evil, evil thing to him, but God kept his promise and worked good. And finally, he's able to let go of the hurts from the past, his desires for revenge, and he forgives his brothers. And Joseph is at peace, but his brothers are not. They can't escape the nagging suspicion that Joseph is only nice to them for the sake of their father. So when their father Jacob dies, they are terrified at what Joseph might do next. Chapter 50. <clears throat> when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? 
So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. Now I don't know if he really did or not. It's what they tell him. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers of the sins and wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. He already has. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of of God of your father. And when these messages came to him, Joseph wept. They didn't get it. (coughs) His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. Joseph said, don't be afraid. Am I in God's place? (coughs) You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured to them and spoke kindly to them. They don't get it. They don't understand the power of forgiveness. Joseph is no longer burdened by thoughts of revenge or the hurts from the past, but they are tormented by guilt and fear. Joseph, though, is freed. And his forgiveness enables him to continue to love them and care for them and to speak kindly for them. And and that's forgiveness' big blessing. Revenge has a big lie. God has a big promise, but forgiveness has a big blessing. And that big blessing is that in forgiving, we are restored. In forgiving, we are blessed. Joseph learned that, and it's just too bad that his brothers couldn't forgive themselves. Well, that's the story of one family's family reunion. See, I told you they were as dysfunctional as your family. And if your family doesn't have that kind of dysfunction in it, well, then praise God and enjoy your family reunion. But if your family resembles Joseph's in some way, and you have been carrying hurts from the past, remember, revenge is a big liar. It won't make things better. Leave vengeance to God. And remember, God has a bigger promise that God will work for good in all things for those who love him, even in our messed up families. And finally, Remember, forgiveness is big truth. That when we forgive, we are freed. The past no longer controls us, and we are able to receive the blessings that God has in store for us today. Remember, revenge is a big liar. God is a big promise keeper. And forgiveness is a big blessing. Oh, and remember one more thing. No matter how annoying your little brother is, selling him into slavery is never the answer. (laughs) Enjoy your family reunions. Let's pray. God, you're, you're always leading the way. When we think, how is it possible to forgive somebody who has hurt us so greatly especially someone that we love. Then you go to the cross for us because you love us so much. You give your very life so that we can live. Help us to remember that. 
Help us to, to leave vengeance to you and instead to love our enemies and even love our families and pray for those who make life difficult for us. God, we know that you work for good in all things in our lives. And so help us to live today with freedom and with joy because we can forgive because you